This is a podcast by the Business Times. Income generation and accessibility are two key important determinants of why you would choose between ETFs and mutual funds. And then within the ETF universe and mutual funds, deciding what to invest in. A very important consideration always has to start with your own personal needs. Why are you investing? What do you hope to achieve from your investment? And that will result in the direction you take in terms of what type of investment strategy you should pursue. Studies have shown over and over again that actively managed funds almost always underperform passive investments in the long run. According to the SPIVA US scorecard for 2020, 83% of all active fund managers have underperformed their benchmarks over the past 10 years. Moreover, due to the passive management of ETFs, this translates to lower expenses and costs as compared to unit trusts. In this episode, we'll try to settle the long-debated argument of ETFs versus mutual funds, although we're well aware there's no straightforward solution to this. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim. And helping us out today with his insights, Samuel Rhee, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Endow Us. So for all intents and purposes, mutual funds and ETFs are quite similar, like tasting menus at restaurants, where you can try a bit of everything, but their differences are important to know. Mutual funds and ETFs are very, very similar because they're effectively an open-ended mutual fund. The only difference is that ETFs are listed, whereas the traditional mutual funds, or as they call them here in Singapore, unit trusts, are unlisted fund structures. What the industry has generally tended to assign towards ETFs is that ETFs tend to be passive investment vehicles that are tied to a benchmark or an index. And so ETFs are often synonymous with being passive investing options, whereas mutual funds have a lot of active managers and active investment styles in them. So that's another way to differentiate between the mutual funds and ETFs. But mutual funds and unit trusts also have passive index funds available to them. So in that way, they're very similar in many respects. Both ETFs and mutual funds are considered low-risk investments. ETFs, though, tend to have lower costs than mutual funds. But is that the only reason to recommend newbies start with ETFs? What else makes them more suitable for the first-time investor? It's something that began in the US where ETFs first became very popular as low-cost index tracking and highly diversified exposures to the stock market in particular, although fixed-income ETFs are becoming very popular. Coming into Asia, there's a lot of difficulties in localizing those strategies because, for example, in Singapore, the SGX only has 50, 60 ETFs listed. But because the markets are much more global, ETFs are readily available and accessible, even here in Singapore, where we can buy US-listed ETFs, we can buy European ETFs as well. So ETFs are first and foremost very low cost and gives you opportunity to invest in multiple asset classes, in multiple geographies, and as a result, it's become a very popular tool for investors to access. So for newbies, it's a a very low hurdle to start investing in global markets. The flexibility of ETFs comes into play as well, as ETFs are freely traded on the market and may be purchased and sold to suit the investor's needs. Like conventional stock shares, their market price is visible in real time. Units and mutual funds can only be acquired or sold by submitting a request to the fund house. The NAV is the price of one mutual fund unit. 
There are a lot of times strategies that are available in an ETF format tends to be passive or more index tracking. With mutual funds, an investor has a much more wider variety of investment strategies to choose from. So you can have the exact same kind of passive index tracking mutual funds, but you can also have actively managed mutual funds as well. Recently, ETFs have also spread out into offering actively managed funds. Things like the ARK fund, which is a technology fund that's very popular or was popular when the markets were roaring last year. Those are actively managed ETFs. And there are apparently more ETFs now than number of stocks globally. So the choice in ETFs is broadening. But having said that, a lot of them look exactly the same. So I think mutual funds and unit trusts tend to have a much more diversity. And these days, mutual funds used to be synonymous with also higher cost, not just active. But there are a lot of mutual funds that are becoming much more lower cost and becoming highly competitive, which also further blurs the line between ETFs and mutual funds. People should really approach this from a convenience perspective. So mutual funds are more probable to be actively managed by a seasoned fund manager who makes all of the investment decisions on behalf of the clients. On the other hand, the funds and ETFs simply track the market index. Actively managed ETFs are available, but they have a high expense ratio. Income generation and accessibility are two key important determinants of why you would choose between ETFs and mutual funds, and then within the ETF universe and mutual funds, deciding what to invest in. A very important consideration always has to start with your own personal needs. Why are you investing? What do you hope to achieve from your investment? And that will result in the direction you take in terms of what type of investment strategy you should pursue. So for example, for income generation, which is a fixed income concept, you would tend to move towards the active mutual fund strategies because there's actually a lot of opportunities to generate excess returns or alpha in the market from fixed income because it's a much less efficient market or asset class compared to equities. You can actually generate better yield and better income by focusing on an active mutual fund that is income focused. Whereas a passive ETF fixed income fund may not be able to generate the kind of yield that you require to generate income for the long term. But when you consider ETFs in general, one thing that is really important as an investor here in Singapore is the lack of opportunities we have to invest in Singapore dollars on the local stock exchange, which is SGX. As I mentioned, there's only 56 ETFs that are listed here. And so we have to look abroad. And, and when you do that and invest in US listed ETFs or European ETFs, there's an additional risk that we take, which is the risk of currencies or the FX rate. So as we've seen recently and you know over time, the Singapore dollar against the US dollar, against the euro moves around quite a lot. So it's important for us to really be aware of the additional risks that we're taking by investing overseas. Still to come? There's a lot of macro factors that are driving market conditions and investment opportunities. So it's important to assess where we are in, in the cycle to focus on what strategies actually work for us. It always starts with the individual investor's personal needs and circumstances. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. We've covered the various benefits and differences between ETFs and mutual funds so far, but what about current market conditions? Should they affect our decision in any way? And have those conditions affected the performances of ETFs and mutual funds as well? 
Here's Samuel Ree from Indawas with his take. There's a lot of macro factors that are driving market conditions and investment opportunities. So it's important to assess where we are in in the cycle to focus on what strategies actually work for us. It always starts with the individual investor's personal needs and circumstances. If you are looking at an active investment opportunity to maximize returns, then you know that's going to be a very different strategy from somebody who's kind of approaching retirement and wants to really generate a consistent income, whether it's from dividends or REITs or fixed income products. So I think it really is dependent on your personal needs. The beauty of passive investing, especially in the equities market, is that we know that over the long term, markets do a certain thing, which is it moves towards the right and upward direction. Although there are cycles, the markets always give you, over the long term, a return of about 70% for equities. And so a passive investing is really believing in the power of markets, saying that actually active investing actually fails us more than it succeeds. Even this year, I think in the past 12, 24 months, we've seen that only, I think, one or two global funds have outperformed the benchmark. So being passive and returning the benchmark is actually not a bad thing. So it sounds like it can be pretty boring watching paint dry, but really over the long term, it's actually the higher probability of success. So if you're a passive investor and you compound, you leverage the power of compounding into a five to seven to 10% return, then that's going to result in hundreds and thousand percent returns over the long term. Passive investing, especially when it comes to equities, is a very powerful solution and a powerful option for individuals, regardless of market conditions. For outsiders paying attention to investment fund industry statistics, it might seem as if 2021 was a turning point in the ongoing battle between ETFs and mutual funds. But with all investing, that would seem an oversimplification. In the current market environment, where many assets are down, high-fee mutual funds are seen as less attractive than low-cost ETFs. Both options are still solid investment choices for investors and advisors in constructing portfolios, but don't see it as a zero-sum game playing out between two competing products. Investing in mutual funds and ETFs is a very core part of your investment strategy. Secondly, as an individual preparing for our future and the well-being of our loved ones, we do need to invest because the alternative is just saving. And that's a massive difference between saving and investing. Because if you just save and put it into a bank deposit, even in this higher interest rate environment, you're you're going to get maximum 1.5% in a fixed deposit over 12 months, maybe, or 2% even. But with inflation raging at, you know, 6% or 8% in the US, you're actually having negative returns, meaning returns minus inflation. So the purchasing power of that cash that you have is actually deteriorating. So every dollar is going to buy you less in the future. That's why investing is so important and critical and should be the core centerpiece of any long-term wealth plan. And in that decision-making process, ETFs and mutual funds are very effective, low-cost means to invest in a global and diversified portfolio. Investing in companies which are growing and will be winners over the long term is also important. It's also a way for one's portfolio to gain global exposure. But which ones do we pick? And how do we know what will be good in the long run? So one of the things that Endowas does is never give stock tips or try to predict the future. 
Some of the great companies are the companies that we are more familiar with and we use all the time. I wouldn't get sucked into what is popular at the time, which is chasing after the latest commodity stock or oil and gas stocks or gold stocks. What I would like try to focus on as a long-term investor is try to find companies that are going to be surviving and thriving over the really long term. Companies that are gaining market share in not only the local market but global markets. Companies who have an increasingly robust ESG policy because I think the best companies that will continue to grow and take market share will be the companies that are highly ethical, who do the best thing for the consumer, take care of their employees, and have high standard of governance and take care of their environment. Consumers will respond to those type of companies. As an individual, I use a lot of these brands that really focus on those things. Join us next week when we'll take a closer look at investing in art, old masters versus contemporary, fractional investing or owning the whole piece, returns versus bragging rights. And are non-fungible tokens even considered art? And that's it for this episode of Money Hacks, the podcast series by the Business Times. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. That was a podcast by the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by the Straits Times, the Business Times, and Money FM eighty nine point three, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O. Do note: all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.